You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. If you've been following along, you know that for the past two episodes, we've been doing branding challenges. Mm -hmm. And those will come back. But today we wanted to do a slight deviation. And we're going to talk about something totally new. Branding for babies. And I just want to clarify that this does not mean we will be uh, brainstorming hashtags for what you should call your babies on Instagram. That's not the point of this. There's another great podcast you should listen to if that's what you need help with. If that's what you need help with. But actually, I was thinking we could talk about baby name hashtags, but like hashtag little John David. Yes. Or hashtag with Greta, it's better. Yes. Like the Mr. George. Everybody does something like that. Here's the thing. I like understand the hashtags for babies because I feel like our generation is very much on Instagram and they like want to use it as like their scrapbook, but it's just really obnoxious to me. (laughs) Yeah. I also am like, what are you worried about that you're going to, you're going to post so many photos of your child that you're going to be like, there's no way for me possibly to keep track of these thousands of photos. Let me click the hashtag. Right. Right. I know people who did an Instagram account for like their first kid. And then they're do an Instagram, like a separate Instagram for each of my kids where I upload monthly photos. Like it's just too much to manage, I think. Yeah. A lot of commitment. Anyways. So that's not really, yeah, that's not really what we're talking about, about, even though we just talked about about it now, but that was not the focus. (laughs) So what are we talking about with branding for babies? With branding for babies, Rebecca actually has a lot of expertise. A lot of her clients are, are not actual babies. Let's be clear. (laughs) But they do, they do products that cater to babies. And I I was also, I think the first thing we should talk about is what is different about branding for babies versus branding for kids? Mm, Yes. I like what makes something look like, oh, this is a baby product versus this is a child's childish junior, you know. Yes. Yes. I also would like to rant a little bit about trends in the baby industry because I'm like, if one more product comes out named the Snoo or the Woo or the Goobly Goo, I'm just going to lose my mind. Like there's so many things like that where it's like, oh, that was cute at first. And then everybody does it and it's like overplayed. So remind me that I want to talk about that. (laughs) Yes. When we had a baby at one of my baby showers at my law firm, someone bought me a fake Docatot. Uh-huh. And like Docatot, is kind of cutesy, but it also is functional. It is where you dock your little tot. Yes. But the fake, the fake tot. I wish I could remember the exact name, but it was literally like the, the tataro. <laughs> They're all things like that. They were like three syllables, sounds like gibberish, tataro. <laughs> yes. That's like everywhere. I, okay. I kind of want to yes. start with asking you, we're both moms, right? I wanted yes. to ask you, what would you say was Some like- Some of us more than others. <laughs> I have one kid. Rebecca has more. I have, yeah, I have three. Abby has one, but we both had babies within the last uh, year or so. So I wanted to ask you, what was, what would you say is your best baby purchase 
like one that was totally worth it, you would buy again, recommend to everybody? And what was your worst? Yeah. So because it was my first baby, we got gifted so, so many things and people were super generous. Yeah. people. Um, really so nice. I think for some things I don't have the same, oh, I wasted my money on this. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, it was a gift. My child didn't need shoes for the first six months of her life, but thank yeah. you to everyone who bought her like these unnecessary booties with flowers <laughs> on top. Yes. Um, I would say because I haven't, I didn't like premeditate this, right? Just yeah. off the cuff. The best thing we purchased, we did get a baby swing. Okay. And we used it like seriously every day. Yeah. Same. So that was nice to have for the baby. And then for me, I bought myself a glider, like one of those rocking chairs that also has a footrest that rocks with it. And yes, it it just mentally was so nice to be like, this is the place where I sit when I'm feeding the baby and rocking the baby, mm-hmm. but that I can be comfortable here and that I'm I'm not just like sitting on the couch, trying not to break my neck or like, yep. I'm, I'm not trying to feed in bed. Mm-hmm. That was like our most expensive thing. Yeah. And we bought it right before whatever store it was had like a mega 25% off sale. And so I like uh-huh. marched back in there with my receipts <laughs> and I was like, give me a hundred dollars. Did they? But they did. <laughs> oh, see, there you go. We went to Bye Bye Baby. Um, we wanted to like test some double strollers and somebody got mad at us for testing a stroller around. And I was in such like a snotty pregnant mood. I said something like, we're not even going to buy it from you guys anyway. We can get it cheaper on Amazon. <laughs> and I'm sure whoever, like, I'll show you. Yeah. Like it always cracks me up when people are like, we're going to take our business elsewhere. I'm like, do you think this 17 year old store employee cares? No. Yeah. Okay. As far as my worst purchase goes. Worst purchase or something that somebody gave you that they thought was useful, but you didn't really use. We did not use, we got like the magic Merlin sleep suit. Oh yeah. Which is basically, for those of you who are not familiar, it's basically a weighted blanket that also pajamas. So it like zips up a onesie, but it paralyzes your child. Yes. Which sounds mean, but is so useful, especially mm-hmm. like if you have a noisy sleeper like me, my baby just thrashes about all night long. Yes. But we also live in the Mojave Desert. And so <laughs> the thought of like putting a fleece straight jacket on my baby every night just was not feasible at the time. Yes. I don't think that's a bad product. It just didn't fit us for the phase of life she was in and yeah. where we lived. Yeah, 100%. I'm trying to think but what also mine the, would be. The docketot, the docketot, the fake docketot, the totoro. Yeah. The, the doodly do that we got. Yes, <laughs> they're all things like that. It's like the thing I'm a bobby yeah. girl. And you're like, huh? Yeah. The, and it's all like three syllables, like the Bob and Joe. Yes. Yes. Or like, Okay, we'll just go into this now. Names like Sugar and Snap, Salty and Boo Boo, like Hazel and Mm -hmm. Honey, like every single thing. Jack and Jill, Cat and Jack, Jack and Joe. Yes, yes. And I'm like, I think that's a very cute formula. It's just so overdone. If somebody came to me and was like, hey, I want to start a baby product doing X, Y, or Z, I would be like, stay away from the name and name thing. It's just like too much. I do, I do like it. Like, I really like Cat and Jack. What's the other one? Jack and it's like a fancier brand. Jack and Jill is like the if you want to spend two hundred dollars on an Easter dress for your child that was handmade. Is it Jack and Jill? Jack I and Jane? So. No, it's Jack and Jane. Jack and Jane. I was like, it's not Jack and yeah, Jill. See? That's the nursery rhyme. Right? Who's to say? Yeah. Okay, let me think. What my best 
baby purchase was. I'm trying to think. I did buy the Mamaru swing. I think I told you this when my oldest was born. And was that the one that goes like, yeah, it's supposed to be fancy. <laughs> it has like all these settings, like rocks like mom does. And like they just didn't like it very much. And it ended up, anyway, it just ended up not being that great. And then I got a super old Graco hand me down. It was like a hand me down from a hand me down from a neighbor for my last baby. And she loved it. Like we used it every day. It was such a saving grace for us. So I'm kind of of the opinion, like if you want, I would say like a high chair, a swing, even like a stroller, go find a mom in your neighborhood who has like three kids and ask her if she has one that you can have or try and find the same model because that those are like the tried and true things you know the tried and true yeah i think that's true a lot of these trendy things also this is like a comment more generally on our society but the people selling you these twelve hundred dollar bassinets that you know some retired pediatrician came up with that is Mm -hmm. you know microfiber feels just like mom's belly has a five-point harness to keep them safe and is made of ethically sourced bamboo wood. Nobody who's trying to sell that to you paid for it. They all got it for free and they're getting commissioned when you buy it because you're a sucker. Exactly, exactly. Well, and I think this is one of the things that I don't like about kind of positioning in the baby product market is preying on first-time parents' desperation that and there's really, so much really fear Yes. Yes. Like, oh, if you, if you don't buy this product, you're never going to sleep or your baby's going to die. Like it's literally that yeah. dramatic. And I'm just like, yeah. Whoa. And it's especially when so many parents are incredibly sleep deprived yes. or if you're not sleep deprived and your baby is sleeping through the night, you're always worried. Is she sleeping too deeply? Yes. Do you remember the first time your baby slept through the night and you wake up and you're like, <gasps> did she sleep through the night or did I just sleep through it? Because I was so exhausted. You know, like there's always that fear. Yeah, it's really tricky. I was going to say my, like my favorite recent baby product that is a little bit more on like the bougie side is I really love the Lulu and company blankets and outfits. They're just like a stretchy Mm. cotton material, but I am obsessed with them. I've bought so many. You can always find them on sale, but I have paid full price for them. I absolutely love them. Because I think they're better than like the muslin blankets, just because they're a little bit stretchier and a little bit bigger. I have never been a super efficient swaddler, so I need a little bit more fabric to get a good swaddle. But we're, I think we're a muslin family. Yeah. So I that's like what I because get Because it's everybody. basically like being naked. Yes. That's like, yeah, that would be a good gift. Yeah. So my, my husband had never changed a diaper until his pediatric rotation in med school. Oh my gosh. I can see that though. Yeah. But then because they worked with so many kids, by the time we had a baby, he was like, I know exactly how to swaddle. You fold it in half. You toss, 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 uh-huh. toss. Yes. Yeah. Cobb really prides himself on his ability to like get that perfectly tight swaddle. And he does the arms up like this. So they're little like fans by their face. <laughs> okay. Here's a good question. Preferred diaper brand. I am 100% loyal to the Kirkland diaper brand at Costco. Okay, everybody let me t- let me who tell goes you. to Costco is obsessed with the Kirkland Signature diapers. You don't know what they've done for me, Rebecca. You don't know <laughs> what is so great about that. Like, I'm like, I'm sure they're great. I think somebody gave us some, actually. I have had my child poop her body weight 
And the Kirkland <laughs> diaper keeps it all in, like not up the back. Not uh-huh. coming out the sides. Yeah, it's all just there in the back, and then you take it off, and it turns into this nice little package for the for the diaper genie. I mean, that is okay. First, okay, let's take a step back and talk about the diaper genie because when I am making fun of first time parents, the thing that I always say is like they probably have a diaper genie. Well, we have a name brand diaper genie, <laughs> and we tr- we tried to buy the off brand supplements for it, and guess what? Our whole house smells like poop. We just have a really classy collection of poopy diapers on our front porch. <laughs> so anybody comes by and they're like, what's actually what we do is we're especially classy. So we wrap them in our Walmart bags yes. and then toss them out <laughs> on the porch. And inevitably, this has happened more than once. Inevitably, somebody stops by and they think that it's like a delivery for us. And so they're like, oh, this was on your porch. And we're like, thanks. They try to bring in the diapers. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Because we are too lazy to take them 10 feet further to the garbage can. Anyway. Well, the other side of this is like the diaper genie bag is just a giant tube of plastic, right? Yeah. It creates like a column of diapers. diapers. Yes. As tall as your diaper genie is, that's the limit. Yeah. But it's some. it always happens in like 36 hours. It's full. Uh So if I changed it in the morning while I'm at work, the nanny is there. Anyways. Yep. So more than once, I'm like in a hurry trying to go to work. And so I take out the little thing of diapers, but they're like <laughs> so annoying that I don't want to take them downstairs to the garbage can. So I just throw them in the guest bathroom and shut the door. <laughs> so then that bathroom always smells horrible. Yep. And it's right next to the baby's room. So it's like at this point. I know. Was it worth it? But I still, I mean, I don't think it was a waste. Yeah. It's also different when your stuff is like when your diapers are upstairs. Because we normally change the diapers downstairs. Yeah, also, so you have a lot less uh, inertia. I found a dirty diaper in my car the other day. And if you follow me on Instagram, it was the day that I posted, like, why did nobody tell me that so much of motherhood is just wondering why my car smells so bad? So we did find out what it was. It was a dirty diaper that I, I don't know why it was in there, but it was in there. Anyway. Okay, I was going to say, I think let's return to my earlier question. Like, what yes. is the difference between branding baby products versus kid products? Yes. Okay. So, the first thing that I would bring up is how you want the the customer to feel. And the customer in mm-hmm. both of these situations is going to be the same. It's going to be mom and dad, right? Because you're okay. not yeah. the babies aren't buying these products and the kids aren't buying these products. But the way that you are trying to market to a mom of a baby is different than you market to the mom of a little kid. So that's interesting that you say that because for me, my impression is when you're marketing stuff for babies, it's directly to the parents, right? The colors of baby clothes match the trends of parents' clothes, et cetera. Mm, Yeah. Kids, you're trying to get the kids to pester their parents. So you're trying to get them to be annoying. Yeah. I think there's some of that. Kids obviously can want things more than their parents do, but like if you can verbalize it more than a baby. Yeah. I, sorry. I was going to say, I I said that wrong. Kids can want things or desire things or speak about what they want more than a baby can. Right. So like toys obviously are going to appeal to the kids, but if you're really looking at the products that are most successful in selling to kids, they are not marketing to kids at all. Like look at like magnetiles. Okay. Like every parent will buy their kid magnetiles at some point because they're doing such a good job of speaking to the parent's desire for like educational toys, long lasting toys, open-ended play, super sturdy. 
Your kid will be in STEM. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, it's still more fun and bright than your baby products would be. Right. It's still, again, focus like on that feeling that you're trying to get for parents. When you're speaking to parents of babies, especially like we were saying, like that first time mom, I think there's more manipulative and less manipulative ways to do this, but you're speaking to their sense of like, I want my baby to be safe, right? Like when your baby is six weeks old, you're not trying to teach them anything. You just want them to eat, sleep, poop. Yeah. And so it's like very basic, very calm, very, we've got you, you know, like we figured this out. Like I was looking at the snoo website and theirs is like Uh a little bit more scientific. I'm doing like the robot dance. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit more scientific, but it's basically like, these are like scientifically proven methods to help your baby sleep more because they know that parents feel like I will do whatever I have to do. I just need some sleep. Mm -hmm. Other brands are more about like the aesthetics of it. I think there's been such a shift in the way that we brand baby products because it used to be like Fisher Price had the whole market cornered, right? And it was like, they were just going to make super loud, obnoxious colored toys. And we all just had to have these hideous things in our houses. And then as soon as somebody was like, actually, we could make like a cute play yard or whatever it is. People were like, "Um, I would like that in my house a lot more. Yeah. You know, but yeah, if somebody was like, okay, I have like, let's say somebody was like, I have a blanket and it's the same blanket that you're branding for babies. Versus your branding for, let's say, like a three to five-year-old. For the babies, I would focus a lot more on like a soothing, close to mom, snuggly, gentle kind of vibe. We would use like soft cursive colors and little twinkly stars and like a little, you know, baby bunny icon or something like that. And for an older child... It would be like a little bit more personality, a little bit more bold, more fun, more like this is the blanket that your kid wants to take everywhere and it's easy to wash and easy to clean. And it's all about, you know, like bringing more joy to your kids. So you'd have like block kind of fonts and the little, you know, I'm imagining like a little like mouse or something that has like the blanket draped over their shoulder so it's like similar, yeah. obviously, but one is just like a little bit softer and one is a little bit louder, I think. Right. Interesting. Are there typefaces that you think work especially well baby products? Because when I think of kids, I think a lot of like chalkboard fonts. Mm-hmm. I think of Comic Sans and its progeny. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So there's kind of like two realms in typography for branding for kids. One is like the more obvious, like this is for kids. It should look like a kid wrote it. And I think that's like the K's are backwards. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. My kids go to a daycare where the, one of the letters is backwards. So whatever. (laughs) It works. Literally works. Who are we to judge? (laughs) And I think that's fine. That obviously works, right? Like it creates that immediate feeling of like, oh, this is for kids. But What I'm seeing more and more of and what I personally like is a little bit more sophisticated vibe. So like the Lulu blankets that I was talking about, theirs is like a really pretty serif, like old style serif font, but it's in all caps and it says Lulu and it's one is facing the right way, reading left to right. And the other one is upside down mirroring it. Okay. So it still has 
There's a little bit of a playful thing, but it's in a circle. It feels like very delicate to me, very feminine to me. Like it definitely appeals to my aesthetic as a mom and less so to like the baby aesthetic. So that's kind of my, my personal vibe. I had an inquiry from somebody who wanted to open like a really bougie daycare and I was so excited about it. It didn't end up working out, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is a dream come true (laughs) to brand a daycare that's not. Oh, and we want it to have, you know, those like wooden blocks that have like the painted outline. I feel like that's every daycare's logo. Why? Yeah. Somebody from the lumber industry got in with the daycare (laughs) and they all have those same wooden cribs. (laughs) Those same cheap looking cupboards from Ikea. Oh man, the daycare that we are all, we paid a lot of money to bundle this for. Uh huh. I think is what you're talking about. It's like they have a baby, they have culinary classes, not for oh babies, my but for kids. They have yeah. a bowling alley. They're, they oh. have a really nice playground. They have a little like club with disco lights and they play just dance in there. That is so cute. Ty and I left being like, can we live here? Right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's called creme de la creme. Well, and I was like, you are, you are. Yes. That's like, what's the one? I think it's in Utah, but maybe it's nationwide. It's like La Petite Academy. La Petite Academy. Yeah. Like, but it works. You Babies know. only eat croissant. <laughs> in the words of one of my coworkers. It doesn't matter who you are or what you feed your baby. They're going to be just as dumb as the rest of us. <laughs> I've actually taken a lot of comfort in that. That does cover. That does give me comfort. Um, is there anything else we should say about branding babies versus branding kids? I was I was also going to say like just kind of another aesthetic question. What do you feel like are the trends in baby baby lore, baby products right now? I'm thinking specifically of like the the all very neutral outfits. I call it the sad beige aesthetic. The sad, <laughs> sad beige bebe. Yes, bebe. B-E-B-E. Yeah. Yeah, I see a ton of that. I actually feel like we are turning the corner on that. Again, it's like everything kind of swings, right? So it's like, oh, all we had was really bright primary colored stuff. And so, yes, you know, it would be really nice if everything for our babies was tan, beige, and gray. And everyone's like, oh, yes. how fashionable. <laughs> and I I truly don't say that to judge because I really like that aesthetic. If I could afford to have everything be like that, I would totally do it. Yeah. I also think there's, there's kind of like a- If they would come to the clearance section of Target, I'd buy them, but they right? just never go on sale. Well, and I feel like there's kind of this joke among parents that like, it doesn't matter how aesthetic like your stuff is. Your baby is going to want to play with the hideous Fisher Price jungle gym jumper. It's just yeah. a fact of life. And so I think there's like something to be said for that. I think what's kind of next is this more middle ground where people are still wanting like a very Montessori neutral kind of playroom. But I'm yeah. seeing, uh, and this is more like for kids than for babies, but still applies. Um, I'm seeing a lot more sensory type toys right? Like the sensory swings or the ball pits or like the, have you seen those the like water tables, light brights? Yes. The water tables. I think people are seeing that yeah. and doing like bigger block colors. So it's like an individual baby product will still be, I would say like monochromatic, but you have more variation right. between all of your stuff. So you have 
a wall in your playroom that's a bright color and your table is another color, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that. Yeah. Side note, there is this Instagram account called Grow, G-R-O-H, Playroom, and they are playroom consultants, like interior designers who just do playrooms. And I Who do this a job? Obsessed. I I'm like, oh my gosh, the playrooms that they do are huge. I'm like, okay, this is not like the loft at the top of the stairs that I have. But I really love it because they talk a lot about what do kids actually need to play? Like what kind of play is most beneficial for kids? And they bring in like the science and the research. And also their playrooms are aesthetically beautiful. So really Based on my experience- as a first-time parent with an N of one, the <laughs> science shows that you can buy your kids any toy, which we honestly have never bought Reagan a toy a day in her yeah. life. Bought her one stuffed animal and then everything else came as gifts. Yep. But, like, the number one thing Reagan wants to play with is, like, a box of pore strips. <laughs> She's like, this, I am sure, if I yes. can open it, will bring me joy. Oh like, my I don't gosh. need a xylophone. I don't need a stuffed animal. I don't need a million blankets. I don't need blocks. Yep. And then the gravel in our backyard. She's, oh. She collects individual pieces of gravel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Rosie loves to eat wood chips. Yeah. None other. Actually, her, our baby's favorite thing, the, her favorite cupboard to play with is the one that has all the Tupperwares. As yes. soon as she wakes up in the morning, change her diaper, put her on the ground, and she's like, <laughs> that cupboard is still there with all the containers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or, or like literal trash. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, I buy She's you like, it's great, great toys. Toy. Yep. Wanna play with the trash. And yeah. then the boys are like, here you go. Here you go. I'm like, don't give that to her. <laughs> like, that makes it worse. Like, have higher standards, kids. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay, so I'm I'm wondering, like, of the clients that you've worked with, what was your process like with them? Did any of them have brands that needed to make major shifts to you know, cater more towards babies or parents. Yes. Okay. So I've had two, two like definite baby brands. One is Poppy Seed Play and they do like wooden baby gyms very much in the sad beige aesthetic, but they are really beautiful. They are, I mean, have you seen them? They're like the A-frame play thing. They have the wooden beads. They're really cute and they fold up. Like they look great in your living room. Anyway. So I worked on their website and helped with some positioning for them because what they were doing is trying to say, oh, these are like nice handmade products. And we kind of decided people don't care if they're handmade. Really what they like is that that like these are functional products that look great in their living room. Like that kind of became- Like you're not ashamed of this. Right. That kind of became their, you know, one of their selling points is you don't have to put this away when you have friends over. You can have it out. Okay. And and it's a thing. And the other thing that really I feel like Poppy Seed Play has done well since we kind of leaned into like this is an aesthetic product is yeah bringing in more of the like making motherhood beautiful as a larger theme, mm. which I really like. So they talk a lot about, you know, like celebrating that you have a baby and then kind of the grief that you feel if you have a second baby. Like you're so excited to give them a sibling, but you're also mourning the phase of just the two of you, you know? Yeah. And like the beauty of making memories paired with like how freaking hard it is when you try to do a sensory bin and your kids just like make a huge mess. 
So I feel like you've done a really good job of elevating the brand beyond just like we sell wooden gyms, right? Like this is like what all brands need to do. You You don't just sell wooden gyms, right? You're selling an experience. You're selling the type yes. of mother that you can become with you, with this product. And they have really, really done well about The other business that I've worked with for babies is Cozy Baby Sleep. Shout out to Alice. And she is a sleep consultant. And she's absolutely brilliant. And she has a really great perspective on She doesn't call it sleep training. She calls it sleep teaching really intentionally because she's like, I'm not not training your baby to sleep. You're teaching your baby to sleep. And there's lots of different methods for teaching your baby. And I'm going to help you find the best one for you. So her her kind of thing is that it is guilt-free, safe, and research-based. Oh, I like that. I want you to do what works for you. I don't want you to feel bad about it. I also want you to have the information that you need to make the safe and the research-based decision for your family. And her brand, so like the Poppy Seed brand, they already looked pretty good because like their products were beautiful. They already had a good logo, but it was just a little disjointed. Like we needed to kind of update the colors, create a cohesive palette and kind of give them some direction with this new like positioning. Cozy Baby Sleep no offense, was so boring. It was interesting. It was just like really generic. You couldn't really tell from the logo like that there was anything interesting about it. It didn't give you a specific feeling. It just didn't really do anything. And yeah, what Alice has said to me is I didn't realize that I was hiding behind my brand. I had, Mm. you know, she felt like like her personality wasn't really present in her brand until we worked together. And she was like, we could probably just kind of update it. And I was like, yeah, let's just go through like the strategy process and see what happens. And so as we went through that, you know, I was like, you, you have a very strong process for sleep consulting, right? Like we talked about, like it's guilt-free, it's balanced. I'm giving you the option of different methods, but it is based in research, you know? Anyway, and so like the more that we talked, I was like, I really feel like we need to give your brand like a stronger feeling. And we also looked at other sleep consultants. There's a few that are pretty well known. I'm not going to give them my screen time, but I know exactly who you're talking about. But yeah, yes, go ahead. They they can remain a mystery. Yeah, yeah, they're great. They're just not my client. Anyway, and we just felt like they all kind of look the same. And they all kind of did this childish look and the feeling Mm -hmm. that we really wanted people to have from Cozy Baby Sleep was cozy and taken care of. And so what we did is her um, logo has like cozy that's in kind of this curved thing at the top and then baby sleep is bigger. So like if you see it from far away, what you're seeing first is baby sleep and the letters are just like nestled together. Like I just took everything and just you know, when you're taking family photos and they're like, okay, not everybody just like squeeze together. That's like how I want yeah. it to feel like, just bring it together. Have it feel really cozy. We use like a, um, like hand-drawn, all of her icons are like hand-drawn. So we have a star. Yeah. Um, it's, I actually called it a, what did I call it? A sunburst, I think, because one of the things that we talked about is night and day and how she helps parents at night so that they can have better days. And so we wanted yeah. something that looked like an evening star, but could also be the daytime sunshine. Well, that's good too, because you can be like, 
if you work with this consultant, the difference between your baby before and after will be night and day. Night and day. Yes. Night and day. Yes, exactly. And it's like her brand is just so sweet and cute, but it's much bolder than it was. So it used to just be like her colors were literally, again, like sad beige aesthetic. Light brown, tan, light pink, gray. Like that was basically it. And right. now her brand is like this really pretty navy blue, like a soft fern green, pink. There's like a golden color. There's like a peachy color. And she also does a really excellent job of using her brand colors. If you follow her on Instagram, everything she posts is exactly on brand. Dang, good for her. And it just feels like, I mean, one of the influences in like creating her brand was some home decor. Because I was like, I want it to feel like you're at like a cozy house, you know, and somebody is like, let me, let me show you how to put your baby to sleep. Like that's her thing. She's like, I, she's, she's British. So she's like, I'm your British mate who knows a lot about sleep. And that's very much like the vibe, right? Like I'm not, she's not like the British super nanny who's going to teach you how to put your baby to sleep. She's your friend that you call when you're like, I can't do cry it out. I don't want to do it. It's too hard. And she's like, let me help you, you know? Yeah. So I really love her brand. I probably rambled too much about that. but Yeah, that's fun. No, I think that's good. It's fun to put it together and it's so satisfying to see people use it right. Yeah, yeah. I was also going to say, I think it just goes to show when you are consuming content, it's easy to feel like, oh, I know what the trends are. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in millennial pink. I'm going to do millennial pink. Yeah. But if you're not really being strategic about how you're using it. Mm-hmm then what does it, you know, it's, it doesn't do you any good to look like everybody else, even if you're on trend. Exactly. In some ways that might actually hurt you. Exactly. Um, spoiler alert for an Instagram post that I'm making that is a little bit salty, but I keep seeing these people who say that they want to stand out and then they create this logo that I'm like, that's not unique. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen dozens of those, you know, and I just, I'm like, if you're ripping off your logo from Canva, if you bought it on Creative Market, if you customized some kind of template, it's not unique. And even if you're working with a designer, no offense, who's not a brand strategist, your logo is going to look very generic. Do you think some of that comes from uh, people have an idea that there is a right and a wrong way to do something? So they're like, oh, if I just follow these very basic design principles, if I follow the golden ratio, suddenly my logo will be correct and people will know that I'm legit because my design is correct. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to decide like why it happens. Um, I think some of it is just lack of experience on the designer's part. I also do think there's like a strategy element that's missing. The logos that I designed before I really understood strategy, like they were lovely. They were very aesthetically pleasing, but like they were shallow, you know? And I always tell people, you can get a great logo off creative market or whatever. Will you outgrow it in six months? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. like that may be the phase <laughs> of business that you're in, but right. it's, it's better it, than you, nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing. And like you don't necessarily need to hire a professional right away. I don't believe everybody needs to invest in that right away. But I do think when you're ready to take your business seriously and be like, yeah, I'm in this for the long haul. I want a logo that I'm proud of like in 30 years you should hire a professional to do that for you. Okay. Did that even answer your question? 
No, I think it did. I think it did. <laughs> I, I just think a lot of people are pe- people who have like a little bit of aesthetic knowledge. I put myself in this category too. Yeah. Like I, I know when I see something that is ugly. Yeah. I can identify it. And I can sometimes even tweak something. If I, mm-hmm. if I see a room and I don't like certain elements of it, I can take those out. Yeah. But I can't create from scratch something from my brain. Yeah. I think a lot of people fall in that category. Even all of my clients, I would say are very aesthetically minded. Like they, I mean, that's why they hire me because they want it to be beautiful, but they, they recognize it, right? like, even though I, I know what I like, I can't create what you create, you know? Yeah. And I that's do think this is like a little bit snotty, so I'm sorry, but I can tell the difference between somebody who creates something that is, oh, you have good taste versus you have the technique of a designer. Okay. That makes sense. That's interesting. The thing that I usually tell people is that it's okay to break the rules if you understand the rules, right? And so I can tell the difference between somebody who's breaking the rules intentionally and creatively versus somebody who doesn't understand the rules in the first place. And here's the thing. I bet if I showed you two designs, you would be able to tell the difference too. You wouldn't be able to maybe articulate like why one looks like it was designed by a professional and one doesn't, but there's a, like a unconscious recognition going on. Does that make sense? Interesting. That's a good challenge. We should do sometime. Yes. I see it all the time because like mom and dad will send me something that someone designed for church (laughs) and they're like, can you redesign this? And I'm like, this looks fine. This is, this is very nice, but it's lacking that professional. Right. And they can't explain what it is. But when I send them the new design back, they're like, oh yeah, that looks way better. I'm like, yeah, because I know the rules. Yeah. You know, because you're like, yeah, because I'm a professional. Well, speaking of my skill set, so I I actually did some research. There are like some rules about when you're advertising to children that I thought people should be aware of. And all of this is just general information. Obviously, it's not tailored to your you, the listener, our dear listener. It's not tailored to you specifically. And I'm not your lawyer. Hashtag so I can't not legal your, advice. Hashtag not legal advice. <laughs> but so there are some general things. One that's important to keep in mind is there is something called the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, CAPA for those in the biz. Uh-huh. Um, but there are restrictions if you're collecting data. The age cutoff that matters is age 13. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I didn't know this initially, but when I was creating my MSN Messenger account, so I could chat with boys at another junior high. Uh-huh. It said, like, are you 13? Some of those things are for that reason. Like their data collection gotcha. practices have to be different. You have to get parental consent. So age 13 is a good number. Keep in mind if you're someone, you know, advertising to children or teens. Yeah. And then the other thing that I found really interesting, this may not be relevant for babies, but for kids more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are advertising kids to determine there are rules like both federally and most states have them about unfair trade practices. You can't false advertise or mislead the consumers. Mm. But if you are advertising to kids, they will look at it from a child's perspective. Ooh, so like the two examples came to mind were, if you remember in Toy Story, when they have the, it's like totally animated. There's the buzz light, you're flying across the screen. And then it says at the end, not a flying toy. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that's like so vivid in my mind. 
So like, it might be totally obvious to you and me that an animation, like a completely green screen background with a toy shooting across it, mm-hmm. is obviously just an illustration to give you a feeling about how the toy will make you feel. But right. to a kid, mm-hmm. that toy looks like it can fly and this toy doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. Or it, they even have things like, imagine like a puppet or some sort of spinning flying thing that has wires uh-huh. And if the wires were obscured in the advertisement, they were like, that's false advertising. Kids think oh, that can fly. Oh, interesting. So the example from my personal life is, I don't know if any of you remember the Gushers commercials from the uh, mid-90s. Is this one where their heads explode? You would eat a gusher and then your head would turn into a watermelon. Uh-huh. And like, and people were like, adult, that didn't happen to me. People, As an adult, people are like, it's so obvious. These are such extreme flavors that you become a gusher. Right. But to me as a kid, first of all, my parents never bought gushers because they were like trendy, expensive junk food. Yeah. Say we were not cool enough to have gushers. Thank you very much. We were not privy to this, but there was a time when I was like a little bit of like, if I eat this gusher from my friend Isabel at lunch, (laughs) is my head going to turn into a (laughs) raspberry? Yes. That seems dumb. Now that's the kind of logic. Like if you're advertising to kids, you really think... Is the kid going to think that this toy can fly? Mm-hmm. Do they think they're going to become a pink unicorn? Right. Are they going to turn into a princess? You have to think about using kid logic because that is something that they look at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's my follow-up question. And then we should probably wrap up. Are we allowed to talk about Toy Story on our podcast? Ooh. Like, is that a trademark violation? I mean, it's too late now. We've already done it. Yeah. Trademark is so tricky. It's really so tricky. I think our mentioning of it as something that's like in the public eye, like here's an example of something else. Yeah. Is going to be different than saying like, we are going to talk about Buzz Lightyear registered trademark. Yeah. And give the impression that we're affiliated with it or associated with it. We are not. (laughs) We are not official spokespeople for the Buzz Lightyear brand. We do not. We do not speak for Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) Have you seen that 30 Rock episode where they can't sing more than four bars of Uptown Girl because they don't want to pay for it? I love that episode. Oh my gosh. That's honestly, so I don't know if you guys know, I just did a big presentation at work on Taylor Swift copyright law. Yes. Because her concert came to, to Vegas and everybody was talking about it. And I was like, okay, here are the things you need to know. But that's the level of scrutiny that they go into. There was a copyright case with Katy Perry's song, Dark Horse, Uh over literally this much copying. I will sing it for you. I'm not a musician. (laughs) This is how much they said she copied. Do, 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 do. That's it. I'm like, I don't even know what part of Dark Horse that is. That is It's like a hook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's throughout the whole song. Yeah. Anyways, they were like, you stole it in this previously unknown Christian rap group. And she was like, what? And the Ninth Circuit was like, yeah, she did. That's crazy. So did she Isn't have to wild? like pay out? Yeah. They're like, that's fine. We would rather people listen to our Christian rap music. But if we can't get that, we'll just sue Katy Perry for stealing They'll it from us. Katy Perry. Katy Perry for millions. Well, and that's the other, the other tricky thing is like to win on copyright infringement, you have to show... It's totally possible that two people independently had that same melody in their head, right? Absolutely. There's only so many notes in a scale. Right. But you usually show that she had access to it. It was mm-hmm. similar enough. It's like really unlikely that she just came up with it on her own. Right. So they actually looked into like, 
Katy Perry's parents are Christian and I think they might even be preachers. Oh, interesting. Like they might be employed by a church. And I think that was one thing they brought up to say she could have heard our rap music. Yeah. We like, we go to these worship things. We're in these festivals. Yeah. Who's to say she didn't hear us on the radio. You know, it was really interesting. That is super interesting. It always makes me wonder how many people have been sued that I don't know about. Yeah. A lot. Anybody with means. Like if you're a celebrity, you're going to get sued. Yeah. Taylor Swift got sued because somebody had a poetry book called Lover, pink and blue and lavender cover. She was like, that's my vibe. And Taylor Swift was like, not Taylor Swift. The law was like, you can't copyright a vibe, friend. Yeah. But that's that's really cute, but like that doesn't count. (laughs) Yeah. That will be like our next thing. How can you create a distinguishable vibe? I mean, that's basically what branding is. Yeah. Just giving your vibe like tangible assets. Right. Love it. All right. Well, anything else that you want to say about branding with babies, branding for babies? I wanted to start an Etsy shop called Avant Kindergard. Oh my gosh. And it was and it was just gonna be like wild fashion for babies. Okay. That's that my dream. Very if I get really good at sewing, wouldn't that be so fun? That would be so fun. Like, wouldn't you just love to put your baby in like some crazy gown? Yes. Yes. I'm imagining one of those tool gowns that literally has like 50 layers from top to bottom. It's just like three yes. times bigger than your body is. Yeah. Oh, that would exactly. be so that's fun. What I, that's what I want. But I don't know how many people want to spend like designer bucks on. I didn't think people did. And then I walked through Saks Fifth Avenue one time at a like fancy mall. And I was like... Oh, people do buy like Gucci belts for their two-year-old. So maybe Mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Well, and here's the thing about bougie baby products. Most people don't put their kids in fancy clothes all the time, but everyone needs at least one or two fancy outfits for their kids. Right. So between those people and the people who are like, hi, I'm Khloe Kardashian and my kids have to wear the cutest clothes all the time. Yeah. Works out, you know. Well, now here's my question. Do we put this in the podcast or do we cut it? Because what if someone steals my trademark? Avant Kindergarten. Avant Kindergarten. Do not steal it from us. We will sue. We will sue. We will sue the pants off you. <laughs> that will be our, our final episode. Suing one of our listeners. For our listeners. For stealing when our that Etsy ideas. shop. I need, I need to go secure the Etsy shop just in case. I decide yes. to have tons of free time. Yes. Get the Instagram account sit on that. Well, thank you everyone for joining us with the branding for babies episode. And we hope to see you next time. And we'd love it if you would give us a follow at aesthetically speaking podcast on Instagram and say a prayer that we'll be able to get just aesthetically speaking because it's too long as is. Too long, way too long. Um, I was also going to say, if you leave us a rating in a review, then you can write us in the review, your baby's name and we We'll come up with a hashtag for your baby on a future episode. Yes, I love that. I'm willing to make that guarantee. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 